Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast second annual Chubby Awards. I am your co-host and co-presenter, Michael Willer. I am a chaser, and I am so excited to invite you guys all back to this this fabulous awards show. Uh, with me on my left, we have the stunningly adorned. Hi, <laughs> my name's Don. I'm a big fat chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today I'm also your co-host for the Chubbies. My name is Dan Oliverio. I'm an author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And yes, I too have many chubbies to give. Oh. Oh my. <laughs> That's just the first of many innuendos today, so buckle up, folks. And being lowered in on a golden swing. <laughs> it's me, Trevor Keyson, uh, Super uh, Chub, co-host in a... Um, my gown is reaching the ground before I do. It is uh, sheer. It's shiny. It's gold. Everything's gold. Billowing uh, I, dramatically. See, baby, I knew that bedroom trap would pay off. <laughs> um, and uh, some uh, gold uh, hazmat suit gentlemen are helping me off. And oh, okay, and I'm on stage. Hello. <laughs> there she is. Why am I picturing you in the opening number of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? <laughs> oh, yeah. The boulder? Well, because that was... <laughs> no, 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 no. Not the Not crushing Raiders, number, the Temple opening number. <laughs> the big Chinese cabaret the, opening. Yeah, the cabaret with act. Kate, with Kate Capshaw, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Singing her heart out. I could see you in that dress. <laughs> yeah, hell of a dress. <laughs> Welcome back to the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Yeah. Uh, today, we have the Chubbies again. Welcome yes. back. This is where uh, we try and pay a little bit of homage to good, positive, awesome people, moments, things over the past year that have made being fat a little bit more positive. Yes. Yeah. It's been a weird year uh, for Hollywood. <laughs> it's been a <laughs> weird everyone. year. <laughs> no. Um, it, things look a little bit different at the Chubbies this year. Obviously, none of you are in the, the theater with us. Um, you weren't last year, but, you know, that's that's the way this award show goes. <laughs> we have cardboard cutouts for all of our fans. And stuffed animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I like the idea of this. So we did this last year. It was our first ever. And it was fun because, like, at the end of the day, it gives everybody a single reference point for all of the all of the media and moments in media from the last year maybe maybe even businesses other things that are worth pointing to you can look at on one place in one podcast and say okay this is a great place to start like if i want to just feel good today i can pick anything on this list and it'll be fantastic and i know that it's been vetted it's one a chubby like how <laughs> how much more what kind of, what more know, of an clout? endorsement would you want yeah exactly <laughs> um <laughs> So with that, uh, I would love to hear from our very first pre presenter of the night, uh, Mr. Don Marshall. What do you have? Thank for you. Thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. I'm very oh. pleased. I'm oh, my God. It's really him. It really is <laughs> him. <laughs> yes. Bow and worship, boys. Bow and worship. Um, I wanted to give present the first chubby today to someone I don't think we've actually paid enough attention to on our show. And I haven't seen enough attention to paid to in... Uh, mainstream press mm. and i am going to do her an enormous disservice by mispronouncing her name i am almost certain but uh my first chubby is awarded to wunma wunmi musaku mm. who played ruby in lovecraft country oh not only did this actress absolutely bring it just as far as a performance role like this was probably one of the tougher roles on that show in a show filled with tougher roles mm -hmm. um but 
the character of Ruby was written to be this large, lush, voluptuous woman um, that I feel like if this character existed in uh, a more modern set piece or a white set piece, the fact that she's big would have been presented in a very different way. Mm -hmm. On Lovecraft Country, she is beautiful. She is sought after. She is wanted. But she is also has this sort of vulnerability of feeling a bit a little bit the outsider and all that stuff and and some insecurities about her body from time to time. But rarely um, she owned her body in a way that I haven't seen many fat characters do. The sex scenes they gave her were hot. Oh, God, yes. The partners <laughs> they gave her were hotter. Mm. Like just <laughs> the, the sexuality of this character was unlike any other fat character I've seen on television. And mm-hmm. she owned it. That's so amazing. I have I haven't seen the show. Like, if you gave us a log line, like, how does ooh. she fit into this? What's the world like? Oh, God. So <laughs> she is the sister who stayed home um, mm. and became a jazz singer to support uh, her mother when her sister ran off and sort of started enjoying the world. Right. Mm. Her sister mm. is this sort of thin, conventionally attractive, uh, gorgeous woman. She is a large, gorgeous, very attractive woman. Um, and so, but she is the one who held down the home and kept things together. And then her sister comes back in and inherits everything from the mother that she's been taking care of. Yeah. The other thing I like about the character of Ruby is that a lot of what the show has to say about size and sexuality, and to a large extent that's enmeshed with race, it says it through her character. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. there is no monologue about I'm fat and this means blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. It's all just her living and interacting and people taking or leaving or taking her body, you know, and that I found that very. And yet um, that's and yet that's not the point of yes. her character or the arc of her character. It's along the ride for her character, which is what makes yeah. it so genius. She's mm-hmm. not there as a sex kitten. Mm-mm. Right. That's mm-hmm. not who she is. But her sexuality is a fully integrated part of the character in a way that I don't think you see very often from. I guess what other shows might consensual like put forward as a femme fatale. That's not her. Oh. But she has elements of the femme fatale, which I've never seen from a larger character before. And I really appreciated that. I was grateful for this character. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little disappointed that I haven't seen more coverage of her performance. I would agree hmm. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I had heard about the show in general that it was a show I should look out for, but I hadn't heard that specifically. And I kind of, I'm glad you brought that up because I I didn't know that. I saw that on, we have our list of nominees in the background. Yeah. Maybe we'll share that too. But I had well, I, I find it so interesting for me. Like when I have conversations with people about Lovecraft Country, that character comes up all the time. Mm. But when I'm seeing like cast photos or highlights from it, she's never there. Like I don't mm. see her included in those shots. Mm. Um, she also was uh, she was in a, a horror movie that came out on Netflix this year called His Own House. Mm where she plays, uh, I think it's a Somali refugee coming to the UK and is she's forced to live in basically a demonically inhabited house or Ooh. lose lose her uh, sanctuary in the UK. Oh, I want to see that. <laughs> it's dark, but really good, and I was freaking terrified through half it, of it. It would be so. remiss of me to not give a shout-out to my friend Matt Ruff, whom I went to college with, who wrote the book upon which the series Lovecraft Country is based. Same time. Nice. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, look, awesome. he's in the audience. Yay, Hi, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey. <laughs> this so, is for you, Matt. Uh, forgive me, Wunmi, Wunmi, Musaku, but 
I, I should have looked up the name, the pronunciation of your name before I gave this award, but I was too dazzled by your beauty okay. and your performance. John Travolta didn't do it, so you don't have to either. <laughs> <laughs> and we all aspire to Congrats. be John Travolta. <laughs> we all, uh, as, yes. Dan, who, who's your first one going to? Yeah. So I would like to give uh, a big fat chubby to Motherland mm. Fort Salem, which is a mm. show on Freeform. And it is, it's, it's my, <laughs> look out guys. It's my new magicians. Oh no. I'm afraid really? so. it's happening. Here we go again. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so let me tell you about this. This is an alternate uh, or it's sort of a it's speculative fiction. It's what if, and it's uh, motherland Fort Salem follows three witches who are conscripted into the U S army, like all witches at the age of 18, because the series takes place in an alternate United States uh, actually an alternate world where, which is women dominated because, and in the United States, because, uh, the, one of the witches negotiated an accord, the Salem accord, which agrees that, okay, all the people in America are going to stop persecuting witches in exchange for the witches being the U S army, or at least a special force within the U S army. And hmm. they and their descendants are now conscripted automatically at age 18. And so the whole show is matrilineal, matrifocused, and it's it's sort of a wonderful world of what does the world look like when it's not just women are in power. For example, the president in the show is a black woman. But what is it? What does that look like when women start answering questions about what does patriotism look like? What does conscription feel like? What is what is the role of a citizen in a United States where they're all women? And most importantly, which is so exciting for me, what does the world look like in the absence of the male gaze? And one hmm. of the things it looks like is that you get these women in the army in the army who don't fit a particular size. And in particular, okay. one of the actresses is uh, Jill Morrison, who is just this uh, wonderful, beautiful, sort of curvy earth mother type. And she plays the military matrimonialist because, remember, if all the witches get, conscript get conscripted, military is a part of female culture for the witches. And so their marriages uh, are arranged and, and their marriages aren't forever. Their marriages are like five-year contracts because why would a woman want to be married to a man forever? I mean, geez. Hmm. And- so there's uh, and by the way, the men are trained in making weapons. The men are trained in how to woo women. The men are trained in raising the <laughs> the men raise the children because the women are off at war. Uh, so is it all is it that all women are witches or just that some women are? No, some women are witches. So then you also get things like uh, what about civilian women, which we haven't mm -hmm. explored yet in season one. And the 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 opponent of the U.S. military is a terrorist group called the Spree, which are also female witches. Uh, who are against conscription, who don't think that women, uh, that witches should be obligated to serve the military. The other woman I wanted to recognize from the cast is uh, a wonderful actress by the name of Flossie McKnight. And Oh, that's a great name. Isn't that a great name? Flossie McKnight. Don't know if it's real, but it's hers. And <laughs> it's she is a paratrooper trainer. And she's this beautiful, supersized woman. And you see her because the cadets have are going to have to are going to have to parachute. Well, they don't have parachutes. They they have this thing that they can put on their neck like a, a magic herb that allows them to descend slowly or at least at the speed they want without killing themselves hmm. when they hit the ground. So you have mm -hmm. this supersized woman climbing this rope ladder up to a tower, up to a platform, which is maybe, 
I don't know, uh, 200 feet tall. And she dives off it and then <laughs> comes sailing down to the ground and stops a few feet from the ground, very gracefully descends. And everybody mm. is sort of in awe of like, oh my God, how did you do that? And it's not played for laughs. Like mm-hmm. there's no blimp jokes. It's just like, wow, it is, it is the beautiful, um, because she does it very gracefully, but she's also huge. Right. And it's just a lovely way of what does a world look like if you're not casting, if you're not looking at the world through the male lens of what is female beauty, you're looking at the lens, of, you're looking at the world of what is female power. That's awesome. And, and sorry, the, so the two, there are two actresses in sort of an ensemble cast who kind of represent the, yeah like yeah. the size diversity, which is within the show is just integrated and not necessarily like a thing in quotes. Like no, the, it's just the, that if all the witches are in the military, the witches are going to be different sizes. It's mm-hmm. interesting that you flagged this because I, I watched half the first season before I gave up. Mm, okay. Because it felt very sort of like young adult um, CW to me. It can. And I didn't see any diversity representation. Like there was racial diversity. Very much so. And sexual uh, orientation diversity. But everyone looked exactly the same body wise to me. I would. So I, would I must that. have given it up too early. I, I think so. I think there's a lot of body diversity. Um and okay, so stick with the series a little bit and it'll open up. It'll I, I move so. beyond the CW stages. Yeah, and I mean the CW stage, yeah, because all the, the protagonists are 18-year-old girls. So, right. I mean, the characters, right? So mm-hmm. there is a there is some of that, but they also go through such an evolution because, you know, 18-year-olds going to war, holy shit, there's some changes. Cool. I think it's outstanding. And it does, and second season is coming in the summer. Nice. Trevor. <laughs> your, who is Who receives your presentation? Webster's Dictionary defines award as <laughs> something that is conferred or bestowed, especially on the basis of merit or need. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you for that, Joe. Yes. Thank yes. you so much. <laughs> uh, Perhaps should have opened with that, but go on. <laughs> um, no, so I am giving a chubby to um, something that we have talked about quite a bit on on the podcast this season year at a circle flat circle <laughs> um at some point in the recent future godmothered oh yeah oh, okay. um because it was you know i went in with very low expectations and mm-hmm. it was a delightful thing in you know a very weird kind of dark christmas um yeah it was yeah. something there were so many opportunities where I was afraid uh, Jillian Bell was going to, like they were going to make a fat joke or something. Um, right. And it doesn't happen. And it is just, Jillian Bell is just a delight and just so excited about everything. And you just really get that hmm. joy. Um, and also uh, June Squibb, who plays um, kind of one of the senior godmothers at the Academy. Oh, I love um, her. Is hmm. a delightful. And, you can, I mean, we, we talked about this when we uh, talked about the 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 movie in whatever episode that was. Um, mm-hmm. There was definitely a little bit of weirdness. Like you can tell, like okay, they hit some, ran into some COVID stuff, and I thought it was important to still give it an award because there's so much there that works, and also I think it was a a, a monument to like I don't know the the perseverance of Hollywood during these this what are they what would have has it been called the, these, these unprecedented trying times. Yes, these trying times 
this unprecedented moment in history. <laughs> this <Yeah. laughs> this bird that has it. hovered over us for many months, the waiting crow, to peck our eyes out. <laughs> um, no, it was just even the there was this this whole ending sequence that ended up being animated. I think because of you know once again COVID stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But it was delightful, and like I want a you know an animated series of Godmothered mm -hmm. in this style. Um, it was just, mm -hmm. it was, it's a, I think a step in the right direction for diversity in uh, kind of family movies. And that was a Disney movie, right? That was yes. a Disney Plus. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think that's the like we're obviously still going to see plenty of terrible, terrible, fat phobic, tone deaf. Um, you know, attacks in, in media and, and other sources. But I think that we are starting to see real, like obviously between the, you know, this year and last year and other things we've talked about, like some actual real representation, things that we don't have to say it's something mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. like actual, you know, things we can actually attach to and say, yeah, like this is good. Other things might be bad, but this is quite good. <laughs> It's better than bad. It's good. It's better than bad. <laughs> it's better than just something. Michael, what would you like to acknowledge as something that's better than bad? So I so first thing I'll say is that my uh, my upkeep with a lot of the media that we've talked about on the show has been very poor, um, and so I I realize that the only thing really the only show from from the last year or like thing that I could watch that deserved a shout out for being just a really continuing to be a really um fat positive representation uh was shrill uh season two which came out I think right after we did the chubbies last year if I remember correctly because we talked about season one yes um and I think we were teasing season two that was about to come out and, you know, I think I think my impression of how people saw season two, maybe I'm wrong here, was that it didn't necessarily live up to the hype of season one. But and I think I've nailed it down to because I really enjoyed it. And I think what I've nailed it down to is that season one was so groundbreaking, specifically in this sort of fat positive, like the the message of the thrust of season one it was a hero's journey. It was about Annie, played by Aidy Bryant, who's brilliant. Mm. It was really her story and her self-acceptance and self-discovery about her own body. And that was that was season one in a nutshell. And season two opens the story up. There are a lot of a lot more involvement from side characters. It's not just about her, even though it primarily is. And even though it doesn't, I don't think it has the same impact from the world of weight representation, it still has plenty. And it, that is always at the center of, of many, most things that she does. But there's a lot of other really valuable aspects, kind of like what Dan was talking about, where it tackles stuff like, you know, self-empowerment on a broader scale, balancing ambition with love, um, dating in general. And she, you know, it, it ends with a very impassioned moment from her that is all about her love life. And it does wrap back around to that season one message of, you know, finding her own body sexy and learning to love herself. But there's other things, women, uh, being a woman in corporate culture, like there's some really 
powerful uh, themes that are explored. And I think because A.D. Bryant is at the heart of the show, she's writing episodes, she's producing, I believe, she's directing a few of them. Of course, she's starring in it. Um, there are other fat characters. Luca Jones is not skinny by any means. He's, he's more, he's sort of like cub, cub bear sized, um, plays her boyfriend. Um, Lottie, sorry, Lolly Adifope, I think her name is, sorry, playing uh, Annie's best friend, Fran, also a beautiful fat woman. Um, fantastic journey on her end as far as like accepting, loving herself and, and be, you know, she's going to, you know, be strong and single and she doesn't need no woman. Um, and she has a really interesting journey. And I liked her better in season two mm-hmm. because I feel like in season one, she was kind of the voice of doubt in everything that Annie did. And in season two, she gets this really interesting journey. There's this whole fantastic episode. It's the wedding episode where she reconciles with her parents. And and I just wanted to say that, you know, there's a reason why Meryl Streep wins Oscars like, like they're mm-hmm. candy. Like she just gets them all the time. And I think in the same way that I just, I think Shrill deserves a second chubby i think mm. i think there she's our that would be our first recurring chubby <laughs> award so i'm happy to to give that to shrill and really specifically to ad bryant but everyone involved in that show seems to be really powerfully moving uh the message forward and i i appreciate it greatly that's great yay yay genius uh don we're circling back to you yeah. who was your second back to who's your second um, chubby award for um all right so i want to call out someone else i don't think we've mentioned on the show we've we've mentioned him for other parts uh but uh, this vo actor hmm. tickled me and hmm. made me laugh in a way that i have not laughed much over the past year um and i want to call out ron funches Ooh. specifically oh. for his role oh. As King Shark in Harley yes. Quinn, the animated series. <laughs> okay. Now, this is a character that you're going to see in the upcoming Suicide Squad movie. That is not the Ron Funch's version. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ron Funch plays King Shark as this very verbal, very uh, intelligent, very neurotic and insecure mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> character that whose superpower is to eat any, th- any person put in front of him. Basically, <laughs> okay, um, and he he because doesn't he doesn't like the connotations of that. He he feels like he's being judged for it, and everyone just expects that of him <laughs> because of what he looks oh. like. But it is kind of who he is too. Yeah. Um, okay. The character is delightful. He is hol- he is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And if we haven't, as we haven't talked about this series on our show before, because it's not squarely in our wheelhouse, although it does star Ron Funches and Jason Alexander. Um, the series is one outrageously funny mm-hmm. Two, completely not for kids. Like this is not a for kids and adults kind of show. No, no, no. Lock your kids in their bedroom. Watch it yourself. This is not for them. And three, it is not what you're expecting, uh, the Harley Quinn adventures to be by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it is a joy. It is now available on HBO Max, and Ron Funches is amazing in it. So, mm. congratulations, Ron, on your first Chubby Award, I believe. Yay! Uh, and uh, check this out if you haven't seen it. I see the the look of joy on Trevor's face tells mm-hmm. me it's, that he's checking it's real it out. Good. <laughs> is the char- so, Ron himself is a big actor. Is the character also drawn that way? Is he's, it represented? He's not drawn. Fa- he's drawn as an anthropomorphized shark. So you tell me. If he's oh, okay, I would okay. say he's there. I, I think for different ways I've seen King Shark depicted, 
I would say he's like chubby-ish. And I think that's kind of in the, he is not the kind of alpha male, alpha apex predator king shark we've seen. Like we're going to see in um, Suicide Squad Suicide Squ- or, the, or the, that you sorry. saw in The Flash. Yeah, or The Flash. Um, mm. It's a very different character. Yes. Mm. Much more cerebral. Okay. And even if you don't think he's being drawn fat, the way he talks about his own body, I'm like, fuck, I've said that. Mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, he presents as a fat person who's not always comfortable with their body, but sometimes owns it. You know, it's mm. it's mm. really mm. good. I highly recommend. It reminds me of the line of Jessica Rabbit. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. This. Yes, that's. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with the comedy of Ron Funches. The man is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, who does your second award go to? Well, my second award goes to uh, a show that we've also talked about before on the podcast, Super Intelligence, starring Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And I just think this is such a great, I mean, it's a, it's, it's not even my genre, which is why I think it's, it must be so good because I would never watch this ordinarily. It's, it's very romantic comedy, but it has an action twist. Uh, I think one of the reasons it it didn't do as well as it might have at the box office is because it violates genre. It's it's a movie. It's a movie. Super Intelligence okay, is a movie. Okay. It's uh, available to be streamed. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy plays an uh, an unemployed corporate executive, who's no. <laughs> <laughs> well. That's, that's the thing. But she's unemployed <laughs> by choice, right? So she's okay. she's made a bazillion dollars in the tech industry. And she's living off her considerable savings, you know, doing a lot of volunteer work mostly. And she's sort of taking a break from the rat race. She's taking a break from the rat race. And all of a sudden she's in her pajamas one morning and her Alexa, you know, her, her, what do we call that? Um, personal digital the, assistant, yeah, whatever the, that is. Yeah. It begins to talk to her and eventually it begins talking to her in the voice of James Corden. And then James Corden comes under television and it turns out that an AI that has been in development somewhere across the country, uh, has targeted her and chosen the voice of James Corden because, well, that's her favorite celebrity. And so how else would he appear to her? And he, <laughs> he, has, he has targeted her as the most average person in America. Okay, I kind of have issue that like she's living off her savings. She's a retired mm. CEO and she's the most average person <laughs> in America. But we'll, we'll, we'll move past that. Uh, but anyway, he's targeted her as the most average person in America and wants to basically help her experiment uh, and view her life as to determine the best way to help humanity. Because if I can help her, I can help all of humanity, she being the most average person. And what I love about this movie and what I why I want to give it a chubby is because it's the world of Melissa McCarthy and her husband, who is the director. And when they do a project you know, it's starring her, right? So you already are putting a fat woman in front of the camera as your protagonist, which is mm-hmm. already kind of subversive, right? And then, so how do you cast the rest of the movie? And so the rest of the movie just has this wonderful thing of like, well, everybody's sort of like average and normal. They're not, yeah. they're not gorgeous. They're, you know, some of them are more handsome or more pretty than others. I but do love that about their movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one is really that because what happens is, as she, you know, she decides like, okay, maybe I should go back to the corporate world. And she starts interviewing with an old friend, old, old friend of me. And what I love is that when they do use really thin, attractive uh, uh, Hollywood model types, they use their bodies to comment the way that fat bodies are usually used to comment. 
Like, you know how mm. usually you have a fat character. It's like, okay, somebody get the salami sandwich. We got to stick it in his hand. Mm -hmm. So this right. is, we got a thin character. Okay, where are the six inch platform shoes? Because that's what they would be wearing as a thin fashionable person, <laughs> right? And so the thin people, you know, the thin people have, uh, you know, unwearable outfits or, or are promulgating unwearable outfits or they have unsittable furniture. And they basically, uh, they're focused, their conversation focuses on appearances. And it's basically their world, the world of the thin people is always the world of form over function. But and, and oh, there's a, that's an interesting observation. I missed that. You're right. Yeah. It's always oh, like I this like would that. really look good. Yeah, but you can't. But normal people can't use it. Yes, but we can use it. Yeah, but normal people can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a wonderful scene where they they wanted to sit for an interview and they, uh, it, you know, it's this like fun kind of Google office. I think you can find this in the trailer and they sit her in a beanbag chair. Well, nobody can sit in a beanbag chair for an interview. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, McC Melissa McCarthy makes a great gag out of that. Not as a fat woman in a beanbag chair but just like nobody can use this yeah mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and it's a really that it's it's literally the fat person as every man which you know mm -hmm. is not a bad thing to say awesome and i i'm just always a melissa mccarthy fan yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't take much to get me on board with i just saw the new in. one they've put out with her uh, thunder force oh mm -hmm. about that? Mm -hmm. trevor hasn't let me watch that yet because it's not the right time it's lovely <laughs> i won't discuss it here then i won't spoil anything but it's i can't wait i i i, I would say it was pretty good Nice, nice. Is it one to watch for the third annual Chubbies? <laughs> Possibly. Ah, well, it's a, it is twenty twenty one. But let's focus You're... on this one right yes. now, Trevor. <laughs> yeah. Who are you so giving your award to? <laughs> well, I am. I'm gonna. I have the award in my hand, and I, I'm. My muscles, you know, it's, it's uh, sleeveless, are rippling Bolting. as I tear the award in two. <laughs> oh, no. Um, because I am giving an award to Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, mm. uh, mainly to Lucy Davis. And this in the final, I think it was, they called it part four, instead of <clears throat> season four, Caroline Rea. Yay. Who again appears as Aunt Hilda. She was um, Aunt Hilda in the TV series. Yes. Uh, and, and she, um, she, oh, that's so the, nice. The, the part four of Sabrina kind of explores um, the, the Lovecraftian horrors uh, kind of coming to bring about the end of the world. And one Ooh. of them is uh, The Void, which is this weird pocket dimension where Sabrina's life is a sitcom. The Void is a sitcom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> and her aunts are played by Beth Broderick and Caroline Rhea in this, you know, weird reality. Who played the uh, aunts in the sitcom version. Yeah. Yes. In the original. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it is so just, meta. It is delightful. It is bizarre. It is. And Lucy Davis has been a treasure throughout the series. And it's so interesting to see the differences in these actresses playing, you know, different versions of the same character. Hmm. Lucy, Lucy Davis, Davis plays Aunt Hilda in the current version, in the Sabrina, in the dark Sabrina version. Yes, the the Chilling yeah. Adventures of Sabrina. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, I, I love that we get, you know, more Lucy Davis, who um, is just so nurturing and lovely and sometimes is kind of, you know, the punching bag to Zelda. Um, I think it's the first season where Zelda kills her <laughs> yes. just because she's mad at her <laughs> and then buries, you know, her in the the graveyard that they have that'll bring anyone back. And I love that Hilda gets her happy ending um, in a very bizarre, you know, final installment of Sabrina. Um, and we get, you know, uh, what I'll say, you know, I'll say classic Hilda back 
who then turns into a monster and tries to kill Sabrina. Um, it's everything <laughs> I could ask for. And everything, uh, you know, little eight-year-old Trevor could ask for who watched the uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch sitcom. <laughs> um, but I'm going to hand the split award off to the uh, the little drones <laughs> with bow ties. They're going to kind of go and part and bring they, them to the their, respective their fans strain. Yes. <laughs> The, the whining of the fans go up a several octaves. <laughs> and off they go. Yes. Bye, bye. And I hand it off to Michael as I uh, get back on my swing and launch back <laughs> up, up to the into the air. <laughs> up she goes. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to buck the trend a little bit. Or actually, I'm going to continue the tradition that Dan set last year um, when he recognized Southwest as a fat-friendly airline. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm going to point to, I've mentioned them on the show before, but Mazda oh. has uh, has created a car. I've, I've talked about them a little bit, but um, I don't know about their entire lineup. But I do know that the Mazda CX-5, which is a small SUV, two rows, a very manageable size car, is has proven to be a very uh, fat-friendly ride, uh, both on the driver and passenger side. So... Um, my boyfriend, uh, Michael, bought one of these cars last year, uh, the new model. And uh, so just to give a sense of like size and where he fits in, he's about five, six, over 500 pounds, super chub size. And it's a, it's a squeeze, but he like he can drive the car. He's comfortable. He loves it. Um, it's the car itself is just a really lovely. It's like beautifully designed and really fantastic to drive. I've driven it. And. While I haven't found anything specifically from the company themselves, as far as like we're making an effort to be fat positive and you know have seats that are comfortable for pe- you know people of all sizes, um, there there have been many articles that I've been able to find that specifically call out um, the CX five as a a car that is great for fat people to be able to drive. Um, some numbers just in case these are helpful uh hip room up front for the i believe the driver and the passenger seats are the same uh 55.2 inches uh for your seat and 57.1 inches for your shoulders um i won't say that it's like the roomiest most luxurious giant space you know for acres and acres but it it works and it's comfortable um and and that i think w- given that you know he and i drove what was it it was some, I think it was a Chevy, some, some giant, like three, you know, it was a massive SUV, like a three seat, three row SUV that was a, a, a much tighter squeeze for him to get into, like not even close. And the car was massive. Um, and so the fact that that car is like this and there are others, but I, I can vouch personally for the Mazda CX-5, I haven't seen anything from the company themselves saying that this is like a mission of theirs, but it's it is how they are. It's in their product line. And I, I wanted to appreciate them for that because I think that's that's one of those struggles we have. And we Trevor just mentioned the the survey, um, uh, the Instagram page that's doing the surveys. And we're going to fill one out. Um, and I think that's that's just a, a good direction to look in um, if that's on your if that's on your radar. Nice. So thank you, Master. That's excellent. We will look at that. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. that concludes... The official Chubbly Awards, if we have a moment, I'd like to go through some quick quick mentions of runner-ups that are worth discussing. Uh, sure. Uh, from my list, so two, two ones that I want to just pay a quick shout-out to. Nicola Coughlin, who plays Penelope in Bridgerton. Her weight is not a specific focus of the show, but everything about the character stems from feeling 
less than because of her body in a society that only values women for their beauty. And I found I found her portrayal very honest mm. and I found the writing for it very realistic. Nice. Very, very worth looking at it. And of course, how can we go by go uh, without mentioning at least Octavia Spencer? Mm-hmm. Uh, this year she put out the very impressive uh, what do you call it? Uh, in self-made inspired by the life of Madam CJ Walker. Oh yes, which oh. is about an actual larger than life woman, a uh, black woman who rose up against all odds and created one of the biggest business empires uh, of that time period. She was, if I recall correctly, she was the most wealthy woman in the United States at one point. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- the work she puts into work, as always, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Harvey Guillen. Guillen, is that yeah. right? Who yeah. plays Guillermo and what we do in the shadows. He was acknowledged mm-hmm. last year. This year he's a runner up. And Margot Martindale playing Bella Abzug in Mrs. America. I love her. Uh, All yeah. of these were amazing performances, very worthy of attention. But this year I wanted to give a little more support for the lesser known contenders. <laughs> yes. We only have so much material to make the chubbies. We can't. Yeah. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> I am Even in a how- year as dry as 2020, there was still good material for us out there. Mm-hmm. I do have some others that I'll also... Uh, Please do. Shout out. Um, we talked about Pen15 with Dylan Gage. Mm-hmm. I also want to give a shout out to Chris Grace in that, who is also in Superstore, which was another lovely ensemble show uh, with lots nice. of body diversity, which ended in 2021. Um, <laughs> um, Bobby <laughs> Gutierrez and Perry Mason um, <laughs> as the, the iconic nude scene that uh, I heard about from all of the chasers. <laughs> um, I believe we had a live screening of that during our show. When we yes. about it. <laughs> um, Matt Lucas in Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Always Nicole Byer and nailed it. Always. The Dairy Girls cast in the Great British Bake Off holiday special, which was which technically, is I think, actually a second win for uh, Nicole Laughlin, who is also in that show. Uh, uh, Nicola yes. Coughlin, excuse me. Yes. Some animation stuff, Steven Universe Future, uh, She-Ra, The Princesses of Power. Um, there's mm-hmm. lots of stuff, little, little bits, little bits of joy um, that will uh, blow some chubby dust onto <laughs> in the audience. So, Wow, that sounds bad. <laughs> it's, it's sprinkling down from the ceiling. But you know, it's not all fun and games <laughs> in... 2020 2021 at the second it's not all fun and games at the second annual chubby awards um it wouldn't be an episode of the big fat gay podcast if we didn't have a tip this is a a little bit more of a serious tip uh, an important tip because uh reagan chastain the lovely reagan chastain um fat activist writer speaker athlete funny fat girl is doing an online workshop about dealing f- with fat phobia at the doctor's office. Um, I will share the information on our website so you can register. Um, it's going to be live, but also if you're unable to make it uh, at April 28th at 5.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, uh, it'll be available to view after. Um, oh, nice. And there's also a pay-what-you-can-afford option. It covers a lot of topics, including finding a fat friendly healthcare practitioner, um, options for handling weighing in, 
asking for accommodations, what to do when your doctor prescribes weight loss, um, yes. lo lots of stuff, just uh, lots of issues that come up for fat people um, when they go to the doctor. Um, yeah, Reagan is one of the pillars of, of the fatosphere uh, in her activism and her knowledge, both in debunking uh, medicalized fat phobia and just a social crusader. I One of the things I really love about her webinars, if you've never been to one, is that she is adamant about attending to everyone's questions. So she'll be on as long mm. as, I mean, it, 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 has a, it has a structure and it has a beginning and an end, but she will, like if you have something that didn't get addressed, she will address it if you just want to take it up with her on the call. Wow, that's amazing. So the more you know. Yes. Nice. Well, now that we've we've brought it to a more serious note, let's rocket you back up again yeah. into the stratosphere it's, with woo! some It's all fun hilarity. and games now. It's <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> so today's bit focuses on, uh, we're going to play a little game. I'm going to be giving hints as to the person that I'm thinking about. When you think you know who it is, buzz in and tell me who you think mm -hmm. I am okay. giving you hints for. I'm getting All of my these buzzer are ready. going, I will give a, uh, a hint as to a broad category on what this person is from before I start giving out the hints. Okay. Okay. Are we ready? Are, we're going to lead off with a, uh, a character. Okay. As in a fictional okay. character. A fictional character. Okay. He was named after his creator's father. Though his first and last names are iconic, not everyone realizes his middle name actually is Jay. Buzz. Trevor. Homer Simpson? That is correct. Oh, Homer Simpson. Oh, yeah. Of course Trevor would get that of one. The, uh, the next qu hints were going to be he never let having a total of eight fingers get in his way. <laughs> Canonically, the nice. males in his family have a gene that turns them into idiots. And he's not jaundiced. He's naturally yellow. <laughs> nice. Well done, Trevor. One point. Yay. All right. Our next person is a film creator. Okay. Once ate 18 hot dogs in one sitting at Pink's, a Los Angeles hot dog stand. In the 1930s, he worked at various radio stations in New York City oh. at different times of the day. He found it difficult to be on oh, time Buzz. for his life. Michael. Orson Welles. That is correct. One point <laughs> yeah. for Michael. So the story there is that apparently uh, because cabs could never get around, he discovered that there was no law against hiring uh, ambulances to get around. <laughs> so oh, he hired man. ambulances to drive him around with a siren off. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, my that's, goodness. Uh, some other fun so facts. I'll just go through the, fu the other fun mm -hmm. facts in these things. Despite his reputation as an actor and master film faker, film faker, filmmaker, <laughs> he maintained his memberships in the International Brotherhood of Magicians and the mm. Society of American Magicians, neither mm. of which are unions but fraternal organizations, and regularly practiced sleight of hand magic in case his career came to an abrupt end. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I always thought nice. that was fun. Yeah. He could make right. a quick exit by being sawed in half. Yes. <laughs> this one is an actor. Actor. He is most famous for playing a single character. Okay. He is the uncle of Jason Sudeikis and was born under the, born the same day as Margot Kidder. He played that one character he became famous for on multiple shows, ranging from 1982 through 1999. Shows including Saint Elsewhere, The Tortellis, The Simpsons, Wings, Frasier, and Family Guy, as well as the show that actually made him famous. 
I should know this. I got I nothing. should know this. While we got know to this? know the character pretty well, we never did meet his wife, Vera. People would Nor- shout his character's oh, I got name. It. I got it. I got it. I, Nor- Dan, Norm, I, I Norm from Cheers, the actor is George Went. That is correct. George oh, Went. Okay. He had a cameo he had a cameo on Fraser. Yeah. He rep- right. he re- he reprised that character across all these shows over two decades. Mm. Got Amazing. it. Got it. Got it. All right. Our last one. This one's a hard one. All right. <laughs> all right. I'm setting the I'm setting the difficulty level high on this one. And right now we have a tied up game. One That's for each true. of this our players. This is the tiebreaker. All right. Are we ready? Yes. Uh, this is also mm-hmm. an actor. A lifelong fan of the horror fantasy film genre, she claims to have seen every film directed and executive produced by Guillermo del Toro. In 2003, she made her stage debut in Los Angeles in Del Shore's play, The Trials and Tribulations of a Trailer Trash Housewife, starring opposite veteran actress Beth Grant. Yeah. Ah, fuck. This is also apparently the only stage play she ever performed in, claiming she has enormous stage fright. In August 2009, she appeared in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. She is one of 11 actresses to win the Critics' Choice Award, Golden Globe, Screen Actors Guild, BAFTA, and Oscar in the same year, 2011. Boy, we should know who this is. If she bakes you her world-famous chocolate pie... Don't Buzz. eat it. Oh. Trevor. Octavia Spencer. That is correct. Ah. Oh. Okay. Oh, God, I love her And Trevor's I... our big winner for the day. Yes. I knew she was such a horror fan. That's amazing. I didn't, yeah. Although I guess it makes sense if she's in Ma. When she was in Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, okay, so I, obviously she's in Thunder Force with Melissa McCarthy. I saw a post from, I think it was from Melissa McCarthy or um, Ben Falcone. But it was like the two of them. I don't know if it was maybe Melissa McCarthy or that Melissa McCarthy's wedding, but here, okay, my pitch for Ma Two. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy is in Ma Two, and the t- the twist is so Ma's trying to kill Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy is also a serial killer. <laughs> ah, <sighs> nice. It's like spy versus spy, yes. but serial killer versus serial killer. I just nice. watched Ma. I was <sighs> so impressed by it's it. It's so good. I watched it again recently. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not it, what so. I was expecting. It was very good. I really liked it. <sighs> so, <Nice. laughs> who would you have given the chubby to, dear listener? Yeah. We would love to know. Where could they tell us, Trevor? <laughs> We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars. Leave us five stars in a review on Apple. Um, we lost a review or something. So give us more. <laughs> a rating. Yeah, we lost a rating randomly on, on Apple Podcasts. I'm uh, not sure why. See all of the stuff we talked about, uh, the, the list of nominees and the information about the, uh, the seminar at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Maybe you hear a little uh, a tapping at your door and a loud fan and it's it's the drone with a, a chubby for you, and it you it hands you the chubby, and then it adjusts its little bow tie and flies off. But you look at the chubby, and it's not a chubby; it's Michael. So ah, watch out. It's chubby. And also, congratulations! Enjoy your chubby award. Yeah. It's chubby.
starts going back up into the ceiling, and, and away he goes. He's waving. Should he be moving that fast? Why is he moving that fast? Until next year. Uh. <laughs>